Ladies and gentlemen. Good evening. Are you ready? Okay, here we go. You're listening to the Deal Room Podcast. Join us as we bring you the inside scoop on business sales and acquisitions. Get across trends in the area and hear the industry's best recount their real life tips, traps, and experiences. Now, here's your host, Joanna Oki. Hi, it's Joanna Oki here and welcome back to the Deal Room Podcast, a podcast proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. Now, today we are back with the end of our series, part two of our two-part series, all about the top legal and tax tips for accountants and other advisors dealing with clients who might be leading into an exit or sale or perhaps an acquisition. And it's not necessarily for clients who are right there right now. It's also about providing information for how to future plan and future proof your clients so that when they get to that point of acquisition um, or exit into the future, they're fully prepared. So firstly, if you haven't listened to part one, it might be helpful if you start off by listening to part one. So all you have to do uh, to do that is head back to your favorite podcast player and go to the episode that is just before this one. But if you've already listened to episode one or part one of this two-part series and you're ready for part two, well, what we'll be covering today here are the intricacies in working out the tax outcomes. Um, we talk about the benefit of seeing advisors as part of a team. And then we also drill into the mistakes that accountants make in the sales and acquisitions area. So this is a really key one uh, for anyone who is an accountant or an advisor in this space because we're really drilling into uh, mistakes that Peter and I have seen occur um, again and again over time. And of course, I haven't talked um, yet about who I have joining with me on this podcast. It is Peter Benbrick, who is a tax partner at HLB Man Judd Sydney. And if you'd like more information uh, about Peter and his wealth of experience, of course, you'll get that in part one. But sit back, relax, and here we go with part two. And so, and I guess, you know, maybe if you could talk just briefly, you t- talked about some of the intricacies in um, in working out the tax outcomes. Could Can you just point to some of the things, you know, maybe even the mistakes that are made? Because I, I think, uh, um, you know, it's perhaps useful for us to focus on some of these areas where mistakes can be made. So, so accountants are, are aware of where the parameters are of perhaps where maybe they need to then extend outside of their organisation to get a bit more assistance? Yeah, yeah, sure. No, that's a good point, uh, Joanna. So, well, the, the, the most basic point as a start, starting point is that when we talk about a share sale being more effective, the 50%, even without, even before you get to the small business concessions, the 50% CGT discount is, a, is so if you've got an individual shareholder or a uh, or a family trust, which would have individual beneficiaries owning the shares, so by selling the shares, then that capital gain is, can be discounted in by the fifty percent discount. So, um, so one example that the example I mentioned before that has um, where they were able to achieve a fairly quick sale and a share sale um, following our discussions that we had with them. Um, in fact, there were two business partners, one of whom was um, over the uh, 
has assets that put him over the six million, so he wasn't going to be able to do much. Um, mm. But but the uh, uh, but the other share that the, the other his other business partner would be under the six million, so he could have made use of the small business concession. So mm. um, and and fine, they would have done it to benefit one business partner, but even the one who had, who didn't get the concessions could still use the fifty percent discount. So mm. so there was a benefit to him straight up. Um, but then when you drill further and you look at the the other partner um, by by making so essentially like you know you make a million dollars say a capital gain you discount that by fifty percent already it's down to five hundred thousand mm. now if uh, if you could uh, apply the some of the small business concessions that five hundred can then go down to be reduced to be reduced again and applying different so basically it can become tax free if that if that same sale happened through a um, by the company selling the business say the goodwill for a million dollars mm. well you wouldn't get the fifty percent discount to start mm. with and you wouldn't get be able to get quite the same. There's a certain element of, of CGT concession that could be claimed. You wouldn't get quite the same benefit. So mm-hmm. it's it's um obviously we could spend a lot more time going through the the actual detail of, of examples, but that's the sort of you start to you, you've got to sit down and actually work through the numbers to yeah. to see how how much difference it can make. And uh, so, uh, but just being aware of those basic principles. Yeah. Um, and then and there's um, it's probably a good time to highlight the changes. So there was um. These rules have been in place, as people would know, for quite a long time, quite a few years now. Last year, there were some changes legislated, which for share sales in particular, because there were a few perceived loopholes that uh, the government could see people taking advantage of, and they were, they've been closed out. So the rules have been tightened significantly. So, so essentially, it, it used to be possible in certain cases to sell out uh, a stake in a small, in a, in a, a larger business, and as long as I guess you know you're if you're a one third owner in a business, for example, as long as your one third interest was less than six million dollars, then you could claim the concessions for that. Well, there's that's just one obvious example where they've tightened it to the point where you know if you've got a, I have had a few, quite a few years ago an example where there were three three people owning a owning shares in a business that was worth almost eighteen million, and so they each got the they each had had to get to have a bite of the six million dollar tax cap, mm. and then so what seems like a very large business could actually get some small get a tax free outcome. Yeah, that's interesting. And, and they were and they were very happy with that outcome, but that wouldn't mm. that that's now that sort of outcome is no longer possible. So right. it looks to the underlying value of the business. It says we you know the business itself needs to be under six million. So there's a couple of other areas that were tightened, but that's that's a it was a particularly significant one. Mm. So, so I guess the message I would deliver there is be aware of the rules and everything you thought you knew about the rules. Um, have a have a close look at the uh, the changes that were brought in last year in relation to share sales, and they're still very effective. But there's a few more um, hurdles that need to be overcome to, um, to to get the right outcome, which again just underlines even further the um, the need for careful planning. Mm. And I guess and you know you didn't say it, but I'll throw it in there for you. Obviously, part of the offering of HLB Manjad is is to be there as a resource for um, accounting practices who are wanting to bolt on extra services and expertise that they don't have within their accounting practice. Mm-hmm. So I guess that's you know that's exactly right. And that's we certainly have done that. I've done that for quite a few accountants, and and it's and it's it's the whole point is to supplement the work that they do. So uh, certainly it's. One of the examples I mentioned earlier was 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 where we decided where they decided not to apply the, not to go ahead with the share sale or to push for the share sale, and the accountant actually did a lot of the legwork in terms of putting together numbers and 
calculating what he believed to be the valuations and 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 so then it was a matter of working with him to you know we could just we could do the whole thing but it's a matter of working with him to 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 work out not needed to be done so it's it's supplementing his services not taking yeah. anything over so yeah. so yeah. there's definitely no threat to the relationship if anything it, it enhances the relationship that yeah. the accountants have with their clients and I, I think you know this picks up on something else that I wanted to talk about, which is the benefit of um, seeing advisors as part of a team. So us taking a team approach in terms of working uh, together with clients. So I think the accountants and lawyers working together can deliver, you know, a really solid outcome when the relationship is close. Uh, and I have so many instances where um, where accountants have the door open to having that. A close relationship where we work together, we plan together for the clients, um, but also, you know, we either in leading up to a deal or within a deal it's, it itself. And and I guess, um, you know, from the HRB manager perspective, it's about also seeing um, other accounting specialisations as being a bolt-on potentially as part of that team as well. And I think when this is all working smoothly together, everyone is in their um, is in their area of specialisation and delivering the best um, end product to the client, but also having that ability of being able to talk within the team because sometimes, you know, some questions that come up in a deal are not strictly legal or strictly accounting or strictly tax. Mm -hmm. You know, there there is actually the need for the interaction of, you know, joint brainstorming and working through some of these areas together. And I, I absolutely I think clients get a better outcome out of um, us combining partners in the deal rather than um, as it's sitting in our silos. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And look, as you say, yeah, Johnny, you need um, so that that's exactly been our experience. And because there's so many different aspects to it, there's the turn to the transaction support from a as a legal perspective, which is obviously what you do a lot of the mm. the just the general corporate advisory as we we, we um i should see obviously i focus on the tax mm. um there's a valuation element to it so with due diligence processes there's often a lot that needs to be um particularly when you're dealing with fairly sophisticated um depending on which side you're on when you're dealing with fairly sophisticated parties um you need yeah you need that you definitely need that um support to be able to deal with all the questions that they might have um mm. there's 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 valuation aspects and we do, we talk about doing a restructure i mean that's Maybe not so much in the actual deal because you know the value is whatever the purchaser is prepared to pay for it. I suppose as long as you, depending you, if you, as long as you, it's subject to evaluating if it's mm. if it seems like a reasonable price that the client's happy with. Mm. Uh, but certainly when you're doing a restructure prior to a potential trend sale, um, you, you need to put a valuation on it that's going to stack up from a from an ATO perspective. So. And uh, so that's again something that needs to be looked at. You need to get a value, someone needs to give an evaluation opinion on that. Uh, so that's sort of another another aspect that needs to be covered off on. Mm. All right. Well, then, and, and um, I guess that sort of leads in perhaps to one of the other areas that um, I really wanted to talk about, which is the mistake that um, I've seen accountants make in um, sales and, and also uh, acquisitions. And maybe you might have some uh, examples in this line, because I think it's really useful for us to be able to look back at things that we've seen that haven't 
quite gone right to um, to, to give pointers for the future, but also to say, okay, well, here here is a team. This is how we can foreshadow some of these issues and cross them off at the past before they <laughs> before they yeah. uh, occur. Uh, so maybe if we both um, throw in uh, some of ours, and um, I'll kick it off. I've had a couple of examples that I've seen of um, of clients who have actually done the right thing, gone into their accountant and um, let them know that they're looking at exit in the next sort of three to five years and, and wanting to get the right advice. And the accountants at that point, you know, not uh, number one, not working through the, um, the cash flow at the end of the day to be able to give them strong pointers on how it is that they should be uh, looking to sell the business as they go and then start to talk to their corporate advisors or brokers. Um, But also allowing, um, I've had one particular case that is really sticking out in mind. Um, They involved a legal firm to help restructure the business and deal with some asset licensing issues and those sorts of things. But but it was done by lawyers who don't have a lot of experience at um, exit. And I think one of the issues is if um, you're dealing, you're looping in other advisors at that point with the idea that this needs to be set up so that it works at exit, you need to deal with um, with advisors who understand exit because there's different there's different um, things that can be important when you're looking at the ongoing running of the business versus when you when you're setting up for exit. So that's one of the things that I've noticed the the importance of dealing with advisors. Uh, I think that um, are specialists at, at exit and understand the exit space. Yeah, absolutely, Johnny. Yeah, I, I totally agree. And that's that's the it's a matter of understanding what's yeah what, what's really what are they trying to achieve what's yeah. really needed in, a, in any particular situation and so so yes yeah, so i guess we would have had probably seen similar similar things to to you and and, mm. and it's um again probably another exa- i guess a recent example that i've had is is where it's and it comes probably comes down to more that the approach that the client is looking to take has take with with an acquisition this in this case it was and a fairly large acquisition of which an operating company was part of it and the lawyer i think in that case the lawyer was definitely doing the right thing from a it was a fair property was had a fair bit to do with it so the property aspects was was really what 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 the lawyer was focusing on and really was probably the one the one who was doing most of the work and and knew what he did right so he was very clearly flagging well this is a tax issue this is Mm. a um there was an operating company that and in, in that case in fact the client that the, the, the vendor wanted was very clear that they wanted the wanted the operating company acquired because there were things like um, enterprise agreements with staff and there were sort of those things in place that, that they maybe lost some licenses I think as well so they they just thought it was to, to your point earlier about you know it's it's more the it's best if we just hand over the, the company as a whole and just you know somebody pick that up and run with it rather than taking everything out of that and putting it in a new entity so mm. so our, so the so the purchaser said okay fine we're happy to look at that but then that obviously then leads into more of a due diligence process mm. um, and the lawyer was dealing with all the stuff on the property which had to have been done anyway but the the business side of it was well not certainly not his not his focus area so um he was doing what he could but then and i'm sure from a legal perspective he knew a lot of the issues but he was also flagging area issues like tax and you know is this a you know if the client wants to know well this is a if this is actually a um a financially viable business uh, company is this an appropriate value to be putting on this um, on this on this company, um, those sort of things, and and trying to get to get actually us involved. And he was the lawyer is really pushing for the client to say, "Well, you really need to reach out to 
HLB and get get them to do more. Um, but the client, I think, probably tried to handle a bit more themselves and mm. uh, and just did it. And it and, and that wasn't the easiest process from a, I think from the in terms of the the two different parties. And so mm. there was a lot of a lot of back and forth between the two parties, and it, it, the the deal didn't really go ahead in the end. But it was. Mm. Uh, but I would suggest that um, we could have been more involved and. And could have helped a bit more with the tax and some of the financial mm. aspects of it, um, but the client didn't really allow us to do that. Mm. So, so now mm. um, yeah, I think that I don't think that, that the deal wouldn't have happened anyway. That wasn't why the deal fell over, but it, it, we could we could it certainly could have helped. Mm. But you know these deals are quite as you would as you would know transactions are quite complex, and so yeah. there's a lot of different aspects to it. But but that's certainly where I see feel that that the things could have been done a little bit differently. Yeah, 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 and that that working together element, um, and yeah, everyone yeah. sitting in the right lane, I think, is um, is a really good point. And I guess in that right lane um, element, I, one of the things that um, we've seen happen quite a few times is when accountants and other advisors um, try to run elements of the deal themselves that they don't fully understand. And you know, I think the same uh, comment. Applies to corporate advisors generally. If any of them are listening in, um, sometimes you know I, I can see risks really appearing, and and certainly we have had a number of matters brought to us for for deals that um, have completed, but after the event that um, perhaps didn't have the right involvement of lawyers and didn't mm. have the right involvement at the right point. Yes. Um, yes. And you know, I, I think when you've got accountants who who feel because I, I think one of the things is when you've been involved in quite a few deals, you you do get the sense that you're that you're understanding what's happening generally in 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 a deal, and sometimes that can breed too much confidence. Yes, <laughs> so, yes, no, it's, I think you're absolutely right, Joan, and I, I'd actually take that even from a tax point of view. I would. Um, I would take that even a step further and say from from a from a uh, like I would suggest that CGT small business CGT income tax are all areas that I'm fairly com- pretty comfortable with. Uh, fortunately, stamp duty, unless you're dealing with property, isn't too much of an issue these days. Mm. Uh, but that can be quite a very a very tricky area. Um, and if you're dealing with property, that can still be quite a tricky area. Mm. Um, or duty. other states. But yeah, yeah, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, but what I, the point I was going to get was we're going to make was about GST. And mm. so we've found that actually, you know, as as a firm, we don't actually, we don't we haven't actually had an in-house GST expert. Like if you mm. if you're at some firms, you know, the, the, the big four would have their GST teams, and and you know we, we haven't traditionally sort of done that. But we've in recent in the last couple of years, we've been working with a GST specialist who mm. isn't full time, isn't part of our office full time, but does work for us on a, on a sort of a you know ad hoc basis, so that mm. we've got someone who we can bring into a particular matter um, and basically present as part of our team. And we find that that really helps us to mm. we, we know him well enough, and he comes into our office at least once or twice a week and sits mm. here, and so that when when a transaction comes up like this, that mm. particularly if it does involve property or cross-border issues or something mm. else that, that's where yeah. there's a, a really a tricky gist um, or even financial services, you know, any financial transaction. So anything that has a, a, a particularly tricky GST element to it, I can think I know GST reasonably well, mm. but I can, I, can, I can talk to him and I guarantee I'll learn something. Yeah. yeah. So you know, and 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 a lot and a lot of what he's about is not only illustrating the issues, but then I'm sure you could appreciate then saying, mm-hmm. okay, well, this is what this is how the transaction will be um, will go. Um, but when you get to draw out contracts, can you please send it to me to them? Because yeah. I'd, I'd like to have a look at them because he's yeah. he's very much thinking from all his experience in G, dealing with GST. He's very much thinking about 
you know, what are the warranties and mm. things going to look like? What, how are you going to protect yourself in relation to GST in particular? Mm. And mm. so, so you know, we've got someone who basically thinks ju- thinks virtually just about the GST aspects. Mm. So we can tap into that expertise to supplement the other other knowledge that we also have. So, so I find that that sort of thing can be really handy. That's a really good point because I think many accountants probably feel like they're meant to know all the answers mm, in some correct. of these areas. Like, for example, GST. It's sort of it's sort of like it's okay to not you, you can't know. You can't be a specialist in everything. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All right. And and I guess that, um, you know, we, we've touched before on one of these other points, but I, I just want to make the point again. I think one of the mistakes that sometimes can be made in sales and acquisitions um, is being, well, particularly in acquisitions, is being too afraid of share purchases and mm. creating a lost opportunity of even just harder transitions and greater customer leakage by not being quick enough to embrace the possibility of uh, full company purchases, share purchases, uh, because I find many accountants are just, as I said earlier on, really sort of focused on this asset sale, business sale right. uh, side of things. And I just, I think that can be a bit limited sometimes. And, and the important thing is uh, just to have a bit of more of an open mind mm. about it, but then also to bring in uh, people who um, who understand what it can look like because, you know, it, it can be quite value-destroying sometimes having mm. a – it can transition can be really hard right. <laughs> sometimes. Yeah. Just be aware, just probably being aware too that in when, – especially when you're dealing with a relatively sophisticated uh, purchaser in, in the sales situation that uh, from what I've seen in a lot of cases, they will they will have something like a tax-consolidated group. So yeah. they, will, they will actually um, – it's pretty common from what I've seen that they they won't actually use the company that they buy. Mm. They'll the first thing they'll do they'll they'll buy the shares and they'll bring it into their group. And the very well, first thing they'll do is is move all the employees to a new to a new entity or to their to their general if they're merging the businesses they'll move all the employees to the to their existing business business operating entity anyway. Um, so they basically will stop trading in that mm. company and, and then and pretty much wind it up. And mm. uh, so it's a bit more work for a purchaser to do, but it's it's. Is that if they're particularly if they're one that has a record of of, of acquisitions, mm. it's probably not that difficult for them to do, and it's, yeah. it's probably something they will do anyway. So, um, so if you raise that question about, well, would you prefer to take on the company, and uh, you know, and if there's, you know, then it, it, you might find that it's actually not that big an issue for them. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I mean, you know, and looking at from the sell side, being too scared to bring this up or or, or being talked out of it in terms of it perhaps killing a deal uh, yeah. can be really limiting because I, uh, you know, we work with many acquirers who have absolutely no issues whatever mm. whatsoever in um, and are completely geared up for the share uh, acquisition environment. So, yeah. Um, yeah. All right, good. Uh, well, I think that was mostly what I wanted to run through. In fact, there was, there's one really um, – important thing um, and once again we touched on this right in the beginning but I think it's worth coming back to and that's the mistake of not fully preparing their clients ahead of time uh, I, I just think that's such an important one and um, yes. and, and I think it really needs to be focused on. Absolutely yeah yeah definitely and because you just never know what's going to happen so the, 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 the better prepared they are the better 
and, uh, and the easier and easier the whole process will go. Absolutely. All right. And was there anything else that you wanted to throw in there, Peter, that you feel like we haven't covered yet? No, I think we've. I think I think we've covered all the points that I had uh, noted down. So I think that yeah, I think that's plenty for people to think about. Brilliant. Okay. And and I guess the the last point from us is a team approach. Um, that's what we're all about. That's why we've put um, the, this uh, many of our um, accountant community events on. And of course, if you're not in um, Sydney, so you haven't been able able to attend our events, then um, don't feel like you can't be part of the community. Go back and have a listen to um, the previous episode that we had where we were talking about the community for accountants as a whole and get involved. Who knows? Maybe we'll expand events outside of Sydney at some point. <laughs> but also um, a lot of a lot of what we do and, and what we do here at Aspect Legal, I'm sure it's the same with you, uh, Peter at HLB Man Judd, is about dealing with clients all throughout Australia and, and dealing with partners throughout Australia. Yeah, absolutely, um, yeah, that's that's right. And uh, so, yeah, look, that's right. We're not limited, 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 and a lot of the time you're dealing with people remotely anyway. So it's yeah. just, uh, so, um, but uh, yeah, so it's really whatever, wherever the need is. Lovely. Great. Okay, well, look, Peter, um, I just want to say a massive thank you for coming on to our podcast today. Um, hopefully you, the listener, have enjoyed listening in. If you want to find more information about what HLB, Manjud, Aspect Legal and National Australia Bank are creating together, then check out our show notes and also go and have a listen to the previous episode, which we'll link to in our show notes. And Peter, if any accountants or indeed business clients would like to get in contact with you, how do they go about doing that? Okay. Well, yep. Sure. No. Thanks for well. Thanks for having me along. Uh, it's a pleasure there. So you can we well, can contact me. Uh, my email address is. Uh, I think will you put that in the probably put the contact details in your Absolutely. show notes there. Perhaps put that all in so our show notes. email will be there. Um, perhaps it might be yeah best if um yeah Joanna could put the contact details there. But phone or email. She'll have my Joanna will have my direct line there. So um, look, please feel free to to make contact. Excellent. Well, that's it for our second part and our last part of our two-part series all about the tax and legal tips for accountants and advisors in dealing with clients leading into an exit or an acquisition. I hope you found this two-part series useful. Um, And of course, if you'd like more information about this topic, then just head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com or check out our show notes and uh, through those show notes and at our website, thedealroompodcast.com, you'll be able to find details of how to contact Peter um, or any of the rest of the team at HLB Manjud. And of course, you'll also find contact details for how to contact our legal eagles at Aspect Legal if you or your clients would like to discuss any legal aspects of sales or acquisitions. As we mentioned a number of times in this episode, This is all part of the Accounting Advisors community that is a joint partnership between Aspect Legal, HLB Manjud and, of course, National Australia Bank. And if you're interested in finding out more about this Accountants Advisors community, then just check out the show notes because we also link through to a way for you to find out more about that. The whole idea of it is about creating a community that provides support for accountants in dealing with business clients and commercial legal uh, accounting and banking issues. 
And that's it. I just wanted to say, as always, thanks again for listening into the Deal Room podcast. It's been our absolute pleasure having you on board. If you haven't subscribed, then go ahead, hit the subscribe button. What have you got to lose? <laughs> and if you're already a subscriber and you feel so inclined, I'd be extremely appreciative if you'd leave us a review. Um, all you have to do is hit the review button on your favorite podcast player. Well, that's again, thanks for listening in. You've been listening to Joanna Oki and the Deal Room podcast, a podcast that is proudly brought to you by our commercial legal practice, Aspect Legal. See you next time. Aspect Legal has a number of great services that help businesses prepare for a sale or acquisition to help them prepare in advance and to get transaction ready. We've also got a range of services to help guide businesses through the sale and acquisitions process. We work with clients both big and small and have different types of services depending on size and complexity. We provide a free consultation to discuss your proposed sale or acquisition. So see our show notes on how to book a time to speak with us or head over to our website at aspectlegal.com. Ladies and gentlemen, that will conclude this evening's entertainment. Thanks for listening to the Deal Room Podcast. To find out more about this episode and other episodes in the series, check out the show notes or head over to our website at thedealroompodcast.com.au. Deal Room.